Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. As the taxi stopped and the coffee cup lady began to cross with the rest, I saw the man raise a fist to one of his eyes in the way I'd seen some children do in the store when they got upset. Then the coffee cup lady reached the RPO building side, and she and the man were holding each other so tightly that they were like one large person, and the son, noticing, was pouring his nourishment on them. I still couldn't see the coffee cup lady's face, but the man had his eyes tightly shut. I wasn't sure if he was very happy or very upset. Those people seem so pleased to see each other, said the manager, and I realized she'd been watching them as closely as I had. Yes, they seem so happy, I said, but it's strange. They also seem upset. Oh, Clara, the manager said quietly, you never miss a thing. Perhaps they hadn't met for a long time, a long, long time. Perhaps when they last held each other like that, they were still young. Do you mean, manager, that they lost each other? She was quiet for a moment. Yes, she said eventually, that must be it. They lost each other. And perhaps just now, by chance, they found each other again. She turned from the window and came past us, and as she did so, she touched my shoulder. Sometimes, she said, at special moments like that, people feel pain alongside their happiness. I'm glad you watch everything so carefully, Clara. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Speaking with Joy. I can truly say welcome back because it has been a few months since I have recorded an episode. I took a small hiatus, a small unannounced hiatus after releasing my book, which was a joy and a delight to get to record all those episodes with wonderful and fascinating people um, on the different chapters in Aggressively Happy, loosely themed on the, on the themes. Um, but after it was all released, I had a pile of work on my desk and I wanted a little bit of rest from the on-air time. But I have uh, thought of you all, I have been, as always happens when I take a break from podcasting, um, having ideas for podcasts flurrying through my brain, and I'm really excited to be back with you all this summer. And I'm particularly excited because today I'm commencing one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do on the podcast, which is my summer book club. So for the past, I think it's the past five years, let me think, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2020, yep, so this is my fifth year, um, I've hosted a summer book club where we would read a book together um, and then discuss it online. So before I forget, um, I'm going to quickly do the boring thing of telling you how the book club is going to run, and then I'll tell you all about the book that we will be exploring together, which I read an excerpt from in the opening. So the way that my book clubs usually run is that I pick a book, um, I record an episode for each chapter or segment, discussing it with some fascinating friend or expert in the area. Um, if you heard that knock on my door, I had a little pause because my neighbor came by. Um, so I record an episode with um, somebody interesting on each of the chapters. I post that at a regular interval, and then I post discussion questions on Instagram, 
Twitter, and Facebook, and then my Patreon. Now, my Patreon is the group of supporters who have been with me since I did my PhD. They supported me um, emotionally and financially through that. Uh, I actually think the Patreon is the easiest way to discuss it as it's the best platform for text discussion. So when I say discussion, I mean, I post discussion questions and people write in response. Um, so you are welcome to join any of those spaces, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or Patreon. Um, and then each week we will discuss the discussion questions I put up. Um, so it's really as simple as that. And it sounds simple, but it has been a real delight over the last few years. I always learn a lot from it. I learn things I wouldn't learn if I were just reading it on my own. So I hope you will join in and discuss the book with me there. Which brings me um, to the book that we will be discussing. So for this year's book club, I've chosen Clara in the Sun by Kazuo Ishiguru. I reviewed this book last year for Plow Quarterly, where I work as the arts and culture editor. And I was totally compelled by it. I didn't quite know what to expect. I had not read any Ishiguru before, um, though I had intended to. I'd had Remains of the Day on my um, bedside table for, I'm not kidding, about four years. Um, but when I was finally commissioned to do this review, it kind of got me into his literature. And then I've been, I've been reading through kind of some of his oeuvre ever since. Um, so this book is fascinating. It takes place in a not too distant future. Um, so one of the things I find fascinating about it is that you could describe it as a little bit dystopian. It's about a world where um, kind of the mechanization of things has taken over. So we, so there's a lot of jobs that have been lost because everything's done through machines and through robots. Um, and so that's kind of changed the social scene. It's a world where people's lives are aided by personal robots that help them do thing, everything from cooking and cleaning to, as we shall see in this, uh, helping raise their children. And what I think is interesting about that is that it has a kind of science fiction-y, dystopian feeling to it. There's also kind of some echoes of climate change, but it it's not, it's also quite imaginable. It's not too distant in the future, you know? And so it's this really kind of interesting thought experiment. And I think the other thing that I enjoy about it is that a lot of times when you have these kind of science fiction-y or dystopian um, books, they, they kind of want to inspire shock and awe uh, over the dystopian changes or over these kind of technological advances. And this one does it quite in, a, in kind of an understated way. It's just the way the world is. Um, you kind of just read it and you think, yes, I can imagine being in a world like that, uh, even though some of the aspects are quite kind of horrific or strange. What makes the book so unique is that it's narrated from the perspective of a robot. And that robot is the title character, Clara. Now, Clara is what is called throughout the book an artificial friend, which is a kind of um, robotic helper that's raised to be a companion with children. And this is a really interesting dynamic because her whole self, um, if, if you can call it a self, is programmed, quite literally, to be attentive to human emotion so that she can best tend to children. Because if you are someone who cares for children on a day-to-day -day basis, you know that um, an attention and insight into emotion and the various waves of emotion that a child might experience is quite key to being able to care for them. So Clara is a part of this kind of branch of robots that is programmed specifically to 
care for children, to be a companion to children. Because in this world of automation where everything is done um, online, through machines, and at home, children have become quite lonely, uh, which is another interesting uh, aspect of kind of this dystopian world that also doesn't feel so distant from our own. But while you might think that being narrated through the perspective of a robot might make this kind of clunky or, um, well, robotic or, you know, like a machine, like a computer, uh, Clara's perspective on the world is, is really beautiful. Now, in fun ways, when I chose this book and when I read it, it reminded me a lot of Piranesi. So last year we read Piranesi by Susanna Clarke. And one of the remarkable things about that book is kind of the perspective on the world you're given by the main character who's called Piranesi. There's this innocence, this gentleness, this openness to the divine. And in a very strange way, I think you get a similar sweetness through the perspective of Clara, which is, is in a way quite unexpected. Um, but she has this openness, this curiosity, um, and even this worshipfulness. And I think that's something that will come out throughout the book um, that's interesting and worth exploring. And I think quite I'm no expert, but I think it's a unique turn for Ishiguro um, in the rest, kind of in the rest of his his books. Um, so Clara, and I think part of that is, and you have to keep this in mind, that the whole point of Clara as a machine is to care for a child, and to do that, she needs to have kind of a certain ingrained curiosity about the way things are. So the book is from the perspective of Clara in a not too distant uh, future where technology has kind of shaped society in some good and some uh, terrifying ways. And it kind of takes place over basically Clara's lifetime as an artificial friend and the child that she cares for. So as you might imagine from this description, there are some really interesting themes that come up in Clara and the Sun. Um, perhaps the most trendy of them would be uh, transhumanism. So transhumanism you can define it in different ways, but you could define it simply as kind of the technological manipulation of humans to improve them. Or you could say kind of trying to upload one's soul um, into a computer. It's that question of, could you download someone's spirit, someone's soul? And that, uh, that theme is, if you have um, the hardback book, the quote on the back of it says, do you believe in the human heart? I don't simply mean the organ, obviously. I'm speaking in the poetic sense. The human heart, do you think there is such a thing, something that makes each of us special and individual? So while it's asking this quite, these quite big questions about transhumanism, what technology can and cannot do, really at the core of it, it's asking, what is a human being? And, and in a weird way, Clara, this, this robot who's programmed to care for other human beings, is, is a, helpful, um, a helpful guide in that question because her whole programming is bent on trying to understand what makes humans humans. And one of the things that comes out is that one of the things that makes humans humans is their intense, conflicted nature. Their desire to love um, mixed with uh, a desire to consume, a desire to control, a desire to not be alone. There's this, this beautiful kind of, and we'll get into this later, but there's this way that it depicts this the conflicted nature of what it is to be a human. And in a kind of way that makes you think of the Apostle Paul, why do I do what I hate and why do not do what I love. So this is all about, yes, it's diving into these questions of transhumanism, whether it's possible to upload a soul, uh, what technology can actually do, whether it would be good to genetically edit things. It has all those big societal ethical questions, 
but it really looks at them through this very human perspective of what is a human being? How do we know what a human heart is? And, um, and something else that comes into this too is questions about society and class and culture. Uh, Ishiguro is famous for kind of exploring um, kind of power differentials and also servanthood. So his most famous novel, which won many awards, and of course Ishiguro is a Nobel Peace Prize literature, uh, or he's a Nobel Prize for Literature winner. Um, and his famous, most famous novel was um, Remains the Day, which is from the perspective of a butler to a very conflicted and difficult man. So this theme of servanthood, of someone who serves another, which is essentially what Clara is doing, and then their perspective on that uh, is an important theme in this too. So that's kind of a background on the book. And today I'm going to go ahead and dive into the first chapter. And I'll put discussion questions up about this this week. And um, for another little kind of practical hint, because this book is divided into very big sections, there's five big sections. I'm only going to do five episodes, but I'll post them every other week so that you have time to read the whole section. So this week, read chapter one. It's fairly short, so it's it's easy to get into, get into. And then engage with the discussion question that I'll put on all the places I mentioned, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and then um, aim to read chapter two by two weeks from today, two weeks from Tuesday, which if, the, uh, if my calendar is correct, um, will be the 26th of July. So let's dive into this first chapter. Now in the opening chapter, we kind of get a glimpse into Clara's first months in existence. Something that struck me as I was rereading the chapter this morning is that um, it opens up with this, uh, Clara says, you know, when we were new, um, and, and that there's a sense that they when they were new, they, they've been created. And what's fascinating about that is that you have this kind of form of consciousness. We'll, we'll decide whether or not it is in fact consciousness, or maybe we won't, we'll discuss it. Um, but whatever her, her ability to narrate, her self-awareness is, um, that kind of just appears. And it's such a difference from a human consciousness where um, children, you know, the, our whole notion of self and existence is dependent on on memory and history. We have a sense of being someone's daughter, someone's son. We're kind of called into awareness of ourselves by our interactions with others. Whereas Clara just kind of gets turned on one day and that's when she's new. And yet we still have the sense that she is developing much as a child would because this whole first chapter uh, in which she's in the store preparing to be bought um, kind of chronicles her observing things, getting to know things. And, and she has this, um, this bit where she says, I, I want to be as kind and as helpful and AF as possible. And she sees her role in that as observing everything and, and getting to know everything. Um, and, uh, and, and again, this is aimed around her being a good carer for children. So her attention to, to other humans kind of makes sense. Now, I want to, to kind of draw out three things for us to notice in this chapter. Um, and that those are the sun, the anxiety of defect and Clara herself. So the first thing I want to talk about is the sun. Now, the sun really is the central character throughout this book. Um, Clara and the sun is not deceptively named. Uh, we get this in the very opening chapters. And now the reason the sun is important to Clara is that Clara is clearly run on solar energy. So to do her duty and to operate as a machine, 
She has to kind of be in the sunlight. Um, she refers to the sun in a personified way. So while there's many things that are just kind of depersonified, the sun is he. It's, it's very particularly masculine, but it also has this sense of, of agency that she, she doesn't think of the sun as kind of an impersonal thing out there that she can get up, uh, get raised from and, and be energized by. It has this kind of, I would say it's deified. It has this almost godlike character where it's the source of energy, it's benevolent. Um, in this chapter, notice what the sun is doing in various scenes. So in the scene that I read, the opening, the sun notices this reunion between two people and pours forth his nourishment, kind of in this blessing. We also have in this, in this uh, chapter, and this is a foreshadowing and kind of an important theme, the sun performing, according to Clara, a miracle, raising the beggar man from the dead. So she clearly relates to the sun as this personified person um, who is something like God, who is the source of her, of her nourishment and her, to some extent, her being, um, who is benevolent, who blesses, who does things in the world. And interestingly, when she meets Josie, Josie also refers to the sun as he. So throughout the book, as you're reading, Notice what is the sun doing or what does Clara think the sun is doing? I think, again, there's parallels here with Piranesi in that um, the sun is described in a very similar way to the house. Um, I love the, the bit where it says the sun always has ways to reach us. So keep this in mind as you're reading as the theme of the sun, what the sun is doing in Clara's eyes, how it's blessing, healing, interjecting itself and how it always manages to reach Clara. But kind of attached to this is the secondary theme. Um, well, and I wouldn't even say it's secondary. It kind of runs throughout the whole um, book, which is this anxiety about defect or weakness. So in the very opening like few pages, we have this, this other AF who gets really anxious about Clara stealing all the sun because he's of a slightly defective model that won't absorb the sun, so therefore is, is less likely to be sold. And, um, and this is a source of anxiety and Clara feels bad for him. But this is not the only character who has this kind of anxiety around defect because um, as we see with Josie, Josie has a limp and she seems a bit sickly. She gets more, she's more wan the second time she comes in than the first. And this is of course kind of the anxiety of a world where you can um, modify or genetically edit anything, right? If, if we live in a time when you can um, fix a robot, get a better robot. It's like computers. You don't really think very hard about getting a new computer. You don't feel bad about giving away the last one. If we live in a world where everything is replaceable and upgradable, if you live in a world where, as we'll start to see more in the upcoming chapters, where you can physically upgrade things, um, then, then there's always this kind of um, insecurity and instability, um, which again leads to that question of what is a human being? Because, you know, we have questions about this that are becoming quite um, actually prevalent in our own world. If you could make sure that there was no disability, no mental illness, would it be a good thing to do? And, and would it then cause a whole swath of other people to, to have anxiety about their defects, about their weakness? Um, so this is something that kind of is introduced in a, in a gentle way in this, in this chapter, but will be introduced um, more in the coming chapters. That sense of in a world where technology rules everything, the anxiety of defectiveness or weakness and how that relates to what is a human being, what makes a human being worthwhile.
Um, and then finally, uh, Clara herself. Uh, Clara is such a fascinating character. I love, there's a passage where it says that she's driven by, quote, a desire to see the world in all its detail. And this is, this, this desire is kind of helped by her, her desire to be a kind and helpful um, AF, as she says. And the, she's particularly attentive, more attentive, we realize, than her, her companion in the store, uh, Rosa, who uh, is an interesting character. She, she seems, Rosa's just kind of content to carry on. And, and we almost wonder as we're reading if perhaps something has come about in Clara so that she has this more human consciousness, whereas Clara, uh, Rosa just kind of carries on in her more robotic way. Um, but because she's so attentive, she is an exceptional AF. Now, one of the things to notice about Clara and the way that she does this um, is that she's particularly attentive to human emotion. And this is part of her being an AF that's created at Care for Children. So one of the ways that she becomes attentive to emotion and that comes back throughout the book and is important to notice is on, on page 25, she describes this phenomenon in which um, she kind of, she's still a robot, right? We're imagining her as a human being, but she has these robotic tendencies. And one of them is that her vision breaks up into little boxes where she can kind of zoom into particular details. So she's seeing all of these things all at once. And it's interesting because that's kind of a simulation of human uh, vision, right? We don't actually see things as a whole. Our brains are picking up on, on small details and then kind of inferring, um, like say gestalting, you know, making a whole of the things that we see. But Clara does this in quite an explicit way. So she has all these little boxes that she sees uh, with little details. And one of the things that she begins to observe as she's um, paying attention to the world in all its detail and trying to understand how humans work so that she can care for them is how kind of conflicted they are. So throughout this chapter, we see her witness several kind of events that she's um, perplexed by. She's interested in and perplexed by. Um, she... She sees envy in the eyes of the children. She doesn't quite understand it, the children who couldn't own an AF if they, even if they wanted to. She sees loneliness um, in Josie, that kind of sad look. She sees anger in the, uh, in the taxi drivers who want to do each other as much harm as they can. And then perhaps most significantly, and this is the, the section that I opened up with, she sees this bittersweetness, this happy, this happy sadness. And all of these kind of moments are this growing insight into human nature, which will only grow as we read. And in its conflicted nature, the fact that part of what it is to be human being is to have many kind of irrational forces of desire um, working within us. And it's Clara's job as an AF not to judge these, but to observe them and know how to interact with them. And I think that's why she provides us such an interesting insight is that usually we are always in the business of judging because we our whole our whole world is to navigate the world to get what we need out of it to find love to find shelter and food whereas Clara's whole point in the world is to serve people well and so she can observe these kind of conflicted states with relative uh, lack of judgment and all of this is kind of a part of her her learning um, human nature and she's so attentive that she's kind of called this exceptional AF. Um, and a part of this exceptional nature is that she kind of breaks the rules of what a robot should do. Um, so she kind of picks a child and she's chastised by this for the store manager, but the store manager also kind of seems to think that she's correct. 
So she becomes attached to Josie, um, this, this girl with a limp who's sweet to her. And in this kind of mysterious um, episode, um, she is chosen by Josie after being kind of uh, observed very closely by her mother. And um, I should also note that there's various little peculiarities in the way that Claire describes things. So she describes, um, it took me a while to figure this one out, but when she talks about oblongs, she's talking about phones. And then she'll, she, it's interesting to note too who's, who she uses names for. So Josie, she uses a name for, whereas her mother, she calls the mother, which you would think if you're programming a robot, you would program it to be the mother, the child. Um, and so it's, I think it might be significant that she uses Josie rather than the child. Um, so that's kind of this opening up. And one of the things that I would like to discuss in the questions is why do you think Josie's mother allowed Josie to choose Clara? Because Josie's mother clearly has, she is high status as we're told, and Clara is an older model. But she does this kind of weird test on Clara where she makes her walk and she sees, um, she discerns that she will take this older mo model because she'll work well. Um, and Clara kind of suspects some kind of emotional engagement she's never experienced before. So why do you think um, the mother allowed Josie to choose Clara? Well, with that, I must be off. I'm off to a little trip with friends in London. I also have to say, I've been thinking over the last few days that it was appropriate to choose Clara and the sun for the summer. Um, every time, it's been quite cold actually until like the last couple of weeks. Um, where I live and now that it's finally warm every time I sit in the sun I think to myself that it is pouring forth its special nourishment on me as Clara says and finding that particularly enjoyable after a long cold winter. So I hope you all will enjoy this book. Um, I will record another episode uh, in two weeks time and I hope you will join me to discuss it to see through the eyes of Clara and to think about what the human heart really is. Thank you everyone and I hope you'll join me in a few weeks. Bye.